Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. This is the main event. Oh, bonus! <laughs> Throw me a freaking bonus here. This is the main event. Mark's podcast bonus edition, brought to you by the Unhinged Sports Network and. Belly Up Sports Network. I am your first host, lifelong wrestling fan, former radio guy, and cat dad. I am Troy. And with me, as always, is the WWE Walking Wrestling Encyclopedia and the main event collector. He is now the figure hunting warrior. He is Greg. What's up, Greg? What up? It is bonus time and, well, it's Christmas Eve, man. Ho, ho, ho. Have you decked your halls yet? No, I didn't. I don't think I'm going to decorate this year. There's no one in this house but me and my, my brother. <laughs> yeah, my my mom uh, always says, because my mom lives alone. She was like, who am I decorating for? I'm like, all right. I don't know. I come up and visit. She's like, I got yeah. my, my I got my Groot's Christmas Funko Pop. And that's about it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Christmas is always my favorite time of year so i always go hard for it especially now that i own a house i'm like you know what i can buy outside decorations now because before i was in an apartment and it's like ah there's nothing outside of an apartment besides my door to decorate you know but uh this time of year is uh time for gifts and we're bringing a gift the day before christmas and it is an interview a first of its kind today we have the one and only John Arezzi from John Arezzi's Pro Wrestling Spotlight, longtime radio host, podcaster, uh, convention runner. Uh, he's he's done a he's done a lot of things, man. And we talked to him for this uh, for this interview, and he's he's done more than I even thought he did, <laughs> and. Uh, we kind of get into all of it, his entire career retrospective and 
people he's worked with, careers he's had. Interesting stuff, man. And uh, I know you and I, not to spoil, you know, what's coming up in the interview, but, you know, just to touch on what's to come. You know, we talk about how he got into wrestling conventions and how he, he was one of the first people to actually hold a what is basically now morphed into like a wrestle con and a star cast and stuff like that. I know that kind of, uh, impressed both of us about that. Uh, yeah. So, it's like until, until now I thought it always started at WrestleMania 10. Cause yeah. I didn't know they did some kind of convention before that. Cause they talk about it during the show. I didn't know what was going on before that though, but it wasn't right. access either. It was just a convention. Yeah. Yeah. He, he held, uh, his very own convention where he got, it wasn't just one company. It was kind of a, you know, like I mentioned, you know, almost like what Russell Khan does nowadays and Starcast and all that. It's people from all different organizations and uh, managers, wrestlers, uh, you know, reporters, whatever. And it was kind of cool to, you know, meet and greets and and stuff like that and autograph signings. So I, we we got to tip our hat to him at least for that. Although we do get into as well of, uh, you know, how he brought a certain someone into the wrestling business that uh, Bro. We, we, we have our fun with it. Uh, it is cool to, to hear, you know, the resolution of that story that you guys are definitely going to want to hear. Um, but, you know, he kind of talks about it from beginning to end, their relationship. And it's uh, it's interesting. I, I, I didn't I didn't know, you know, that uh how, how it all ended and uh, how it's all going now. So it was, it, it's, it's cool to hear all that. We also talk at the end about, you know, his life and in, in baseball and his love of baseball and how a good old New York boy got into country music. That was uh, not something you expect to hear, <laughs> but it happened. So we'll talk about that, how it happened, why it happened, what's going on now. And uh, what's yet to come for uh, John Arezzi. And obviously, we're going to talk about the steroid trial and one of our favorite subjects, Herb Abrams. Uh, if anybody goes back in the archives, we cover Blackjack Brawl 1994 from Herb Abrams UWF. That was an interesting show. And we Even had yellow uh, cowboy boots, man. Oh, yeah. That uh, those got over that 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 sent the, the show to the next level, man. <laughs> the yellow cowboy boots that if we didn't know about that going into the show we never would have even noticed <sighs> but we talk about all that it, he, he's he's had an interesting career kind of all over the place doing a ton of stuff but we'll get so into we're that talking about uh, john rizzi now right pronounce pal god dang it <laughs> wow you had to hit it all right well <laughs> Real quick, right here, we're going to take a time out to let you know that the main event, Marks, is sponsored by Fanatics. Get all your officially licensed sports gear from Fanatics at Fanatics.com, but the link you should use is down in the podcast description. Just let them know that the main event, Marks, and Unhinged Sports Radio Network sent you. We're also sponsored by Swift Lifestyles. They're clean energy drinks and focus enhancers, great tasting vitamins, and big brain nootropics that are made and shipped from the USA. Go to swiftlifestyles.com and use our special promo code Main Event Marks. That's all one word, no spaces, for 15% off your order. 
Also, don't forget to check out our link tree. That's at linktr.ee forward slash main event marks. There you can visit our swag shacks, a.k.a. merchandise stores on Bonfire and Redbubble. You can also see all of our social media on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. Twitter and Instagram, we're at main event underscore marks. And on Instagram, we're at main event collector as well. That's uh, the page run by Greg. You can see all things podcast and figure collecting there. And on Facebook, we are facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod. But just go visit our link tree. It's also got links to anywhere where you can find the podcast, be it YouTube or podcast providers. It's linktr.ee forward slash main event marks. Right after this, we're going to come back from the break and we're going to be with the one and only John Arezzi on the other end of this break. Follow us on Twitter at main event underscore marks, Instagram at main event underscore marks, and at main event collector, and Facebook at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod. Hey gang, it's Commissioner Cooper of TSS Fantasy. We are the fantasy show of the people. Expert fantasy advice, free contests, leading expert medical and legal analysis, and most importantly, you. Interact with us on all social media platforms or check us out at tssfantasy.com. You can hear us on Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and many more. Check out the fun today and be a part of the most interactive fantasy show around. TSS Fantasy, the fantasy show of the people. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Shopify presents cool sheets from aha to lying awake while you bake isn't cool. I suffered from the wrong kind of hot in bed, heat-induced insomnia. That was my aha moment. Bed sheets that keep you cool. Then I thought, how do I even sell bed sheets? That's when I had the idea that made it all possible, signing up on Shopify. With the help of Shopify's intuitive online store creator, I started selling sustainable bamboo sheets that keep cool year-round. And my cool idea became a reality. Hot sleepers around the world rejoice. Shopify makes it simple to keep your cool while starting and growing your business. Start selling with Shopify today and join the commerce platform powering millions of businesses worldwide. From aha to anything is possible. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. With the new Chevy Silverado, you might be driving in this... But with the Silverado's redesigned interior and large infotainment screens, it'll feel more like this. Introducing the new 2022 Chevy Silverado. Find new upgrades. Find new roads. Chevrolet. Hello, everyone. My name is Ryan McCarthy, and I'm the host of the No Credentials Required podcast. Start your work week with the Monday Drop-In, where I talk about the sports beat in the Capital District, also known as the Mighty 518, as well as Metro New York sports from an upstate point of view. I also give a life lesson from a weekly sports story, 
so you might learn something from that. I also have a midweek podcast where I interview different sports personalities and talk about a wide array of topics. Take a listen and subscribe on your preferred podcast app, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Spreaker, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and iHeartRadio. Also check out our social media channels on Twitter and Instagram, BellyUpNCR, and Facebook.com forward slash BellyUpSportsNCR. We're a part of the Belly Up Sports Podcast Network in association with Godzilla Media. No credentials required, where you don't need a press pass to talk sports. The main event marks are available wherever you get podcasts. Go to our link tree at linktr.ee forward slash main event marks. And we are back. We're back. All right. We are here today with the great uh, John Arezzi, who has been around wrestling and, uh, and baseball and country music. And, well, he's done a lot of stuff <laughs> out there. Uh, how you doing today, John? I'm doing really well. Uh, just getting ready for the holidays like everybody else is. And uh, I'm up here in New York right now. Uh, I live in uh, outside of Nashville, Tennessee, but got family up here, grew up here. So I'm here till uh, January the 2nd and uh, happy to talk to you guys. Ah, thanks for, uh, thanks for, uh, you know, squeezing us into your schedule. I know you're a busy man. And uh, I'm sure the, uh, the weather around this time up in New York isn't, uh, isn't awesome. <laughs> No, it's just uh, chilly, you know, it's, uh, it was cold and, but that's, you know, that's what it is up here. Where are you guys from? Where are you, where are you, uh, calling from? Uh, I'm in, uh, I'm in Ohio and, uh, <laughs> I'm in the San Francisco Bay area. Okay. Awesome. And oddly enough, it is cold right now, like freezing cold. It's mm-hmm. never cold here. <laughs> well, yeah. we'll, try to, we'll try to tough it, tough it through <laughs> this and. Right. We'll think we'll we'll think of Florida or somewhere nice and tropical. Right. Yeah, hopefully. Uh well, uh yeah, like I said, I uh, thanks for, you know, squeezing us in. I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about uh well, obviously the thing that a lot of uh, wrestling fans know you for is uh, different stuff you've covered and things you did in the wrestling world. Um so I wanted to start off with some of that. Uh what Got you. I, I know you started off with with a radio show uh, years ago. What what kind of got you into all that and talk about wrestling on the radio? Well, I mean, I really started. If you want to take a really far far look back, as a uh, teenager uh, growing up in New York, I started attending. Uh, I've been a wrestling fan really since 1964 uh, when I first started watching years old, I started going to the live shows uh, and started a fan club for Fred Blassie uh, in 1972, and then it kind of segued into uh, a ringside photographer for all the newsstand wrestling magazines as a teenager. So um did that, uh, you know, really 75, 76, 77, 78, uh, got into the ring for a couple of matches in early 78. And uh, started uh, a radio show in college called Pro Wrestling Spotlight in 1975. And uh, when I left wrestling to start my professional career after graduating from college, uh, I wound up getting back into wrestling in 1989. And that's when I started the uh, terrestrial commercial version of Pro Wrestling Spotlight out on Long Island in uh, April of 89. Wow, that's uh 
That, that, that's a lot in a short span of time. Yeah, and now here here you are, you know, it's uh, going into 2022, and I really just got back into wrestling uh, at the end of 2018, and now am more looked at as a historian than anything else, and and I'm doing a number of things in the business now, so um, it's been a full circle ride for me, you know, from starting off the first professional thing I really did as a teenager, and now here I am, uh, not too far from retirement, and I'm back in it. Wow! Yeah, that's uh, well. It, I'm, I'm sure it's uh, it's it's cool to kind of look back at some of the, the stuff you did now, especially with uh, pro wrestling spotlight being on a podcast form instead of like regular mm-hmm. radio. Is uh, I mean, you you look back at a lot of the stuff. I, I know you play. Uh, it, it, it's new audio combined with with old audio, right? Yeah, correct. I mean, what I do now with the podcast, it's called John Arezzi's Pro Wrestling Spotlight. And uh, each week, my co-host, Bob Smith, who uh, has a storied career as a uh, newsstand uh, wrestling journalist, uh, as a managing editor for all the After magazines years ago, and Don Liable, who was with me years ago, is back. And we basically go back 30 years to the week, and we look at what the radio show covered 30 years ago. So uh, right now we're covering uh, the period of December of uh, 1991, which is 30 years ago. Uh, And it's really cool to kind of look back. And uh, I saved all the shows back uh, that I did years ago. And it's kind of cool each and every week to relive the history and hear the guests that were on at the time who were, you know, a who's who in wrestling and covering the hard news of the day uh, to having uh, some wonderful guests and callers. So it's really a very nostalgic look back at uh, the history of uh, pro wrestling spotlight from uh, from years and years ago. Now, I know I had heard you in an interview at least one time say that you uh, you you like to cover like, you know, the news part of it, you know, the the, the facts and kind of take a news approach to it, not necessarily a quote-unquote entertainment approach to to it mm-hmm. uh i mean have you seen that kind of change with quote-unquote wrestling media through the years oh it's changed totally from the time i first got in in the 70s which was all kayfabe and uh so that was that part of journalists uh journalism i mean it was just all kayfabe and the business wasn't really the way it is today and even when i started uh, pro wrestling spotlight radio in college it was, you know, all kayfabe. It was following storylines, talking about, you know, the feuds of the era. And uh, the show really didn't start turning into an insider, uh, hard-hitting news show until um, uh, Terrestrial Radio back, uh, really, if you look at it, in 1989. Uh, so I've been covering it as a journalist uh, through through those years. And now I'm just kind of a historian, as I said. Yeah, uh, I, I, I respect the more like, um, like we talked about people like, like you brought up, uh, the after mags and everything. Like, you know, you never hear a bad word about somebody like Bill after. Nobody's like, ah, man, you know, he talked bad about me and, you know, on, and whatever publication or something. Uh, so I, I definitely respect the more, uh, news oriented, take the things rather than, well, I heard from so-and-so that, you know, this is definitely going to happen. Mm-hmm. We, mm-hmm. we, 
we even, uh, you know, we, we joke on, on the show whenever we, cause we like to cover old news and stuff like that, uh, and rumors. And we always say, well, hashtag plans changed, you know? <laughs> so, um, that's, that's always kind of the go-to it seems, but, uh, yeah, I getting into kind of going back a little bit, uh, through your career, I saw, you know, you, did you run the uh, those weekend of champions conventions or or what, yes. what role did you play in those? Okay, uh, those were my concept. Uh, you know, as a fan years ago, and then covering the business, I I always felt that the fans really never had the opportunity to get up close and personal with wrestlers. I was a fan of baseball card shows, and I used to go to those quite often to collect some baseball memorabilia to get some autographs and i was like boy wrestling doesn't have anything like this it would be really neat if somebody did it and i was like well why not me so in 1990 i started the concept of uh the first real uh i would have to say uh memorabilia autograph show uh, getting guys close to the wrestlers that first convention i had booked sting who had just won the nwa title from rick flair uh, Terry Funk was that, that first one, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, Bruno Sammartino, uh, Cactus Jack. Uh, so there was, uh, you know, that started it. And I ran those conventions, uh, from 1990. And the last one I did was in executive years of thousands of people attending, uh, Weekend of Champions and meeting, you know, some of the biggest names in the history of the business from Ric Flair, who did his first autograph show in 1991. Uh, to the original Sheik, who did his only autograph appearance in 1993, and just a who's who of who was in wrestling at the time, I was able to uh, uh, bring the fans close to these um, performers. That's so awesome. you were like Access before it was Access. Yes. Yeah, they, uh, they Access started uh, just when I was kind of getting out. Uh, they thought, you know, you could tell people copycat, people copy some ideas. And, of course, the resources that uh, WWE has are enormous. And they started a, a, a absolutely amazing uh, concept. WCW also, on a smaller scale, did some of those. And now here you are all these years later, and there are literally wrestling fan conventions almost every weekend somewhere in the country. Yeah, I would have I would have loved to go to yours because I do prefer to see multiple different people, which is yeah. why I frequent WrestleCon when I go to WrestleMania for that mm-hmm. reason alone. Um, yeah, I just feel they're a lot more personable. Access is fun, but like eh, he's yeah. autograph, nice to see you. Bye. There you and go. I mean, I, and the WrestleCons are tremendous, and I mean, look how they've grown. I, I I'm a, I'm amazed when I go to an event like a WrestleCon, which I went to a couple of years ago before the pandemic. And it just blew me away on how large these things are and, and what promoters have done uh, to enhance the experience of the uh, of the wrestling fans. So, yeah, I, I, I love uh, I love seeing that there's so many of these around today. Yeah, I mean, it just adds to the entire weekend. Like, I can't yeah. go to WrestleMania now without going to WrestleCon. That's, a, that's mm-hmm. just the thing. <laughs> exactly. So thank you, I guess. I, I, I'm going to say it was you. Well, it was uh, – I never, you know – I never thought uh, uh, that the concept would take off the way it did. Um, well, maybe I did. I mean, but it's uh, it's just really something that I think to this day is just something really unique that wrestling has over even other sports. Yeah, I mean, I, I've been to UFC events and I don't see them at UFC. I, you know, right. So that would be nice too. Uh, 
Yeah, and we're we're hoping to go to like a uh, maybe all out this this next year, and and hoping mm-hmm. that maybe uh you know like Conrad Thompson brings back uh, Starcast again, you know. I believe he's going to do that uh, Labor Day of uh, 2022. Excellent. Wow. Yeah, so we'll have to look into that because I'm not being in Ohio, uh, West Ohio. You know, I'm not I'm not far from Chicago, so that's uh, yeah. that's an easy drive. Um, yeah, and I and I have had uh, discussions about doing another convention. Uh, 30 year anniversary of Weekend of Champions, and uh, that would be um, in the summer of 2022. So if that uh, if everything falls into place the way I hope, uh, we'll have a, a huge four day convention in uh, Atlantic City, New Jersey. Oh wow! Oh, that's awesome. That's a that's a a great location there too, because there's it's not just uh, you'd be going there for that. It's like you know a, a nice uh, tourist destination for a ton of stuff. Oh, there's so much to do, and for me, I, I really want a uh, venue or a couple of venues that we can do not just the autographs and the vendor tables and the shoot interviews, and I want to hold a banquet, uh, which would really honor a lot of the individuals that uh, were associated with my conventions 30 years ago and individuals that were associated with the radio show. So for me, it's kind of like a one-time only thing if I'm able to put it together uh, to do one big blowout over four days and have live matches as well uh, with an international flavor uh, from uh, performers from Mexico and Japan and and some of the top indie guys today and some legends. That'd be great. Yeah, because there's, there's not, like you said, there's not a lot uh, out there like that today. I mean, there's, you know, there's the Russell Cons and, and mm-hmm. such, but, you know, they're, Especially since the pandemic hit, you know, they're more few and far between. So now that things are starting to open back up, hopefully more of them pop back up, too. So, yeah, that's the biggest uh, question mark for me is, you know, what is uh, what is it going to be like next year regarding the pandemic? Because if you invest, you know, all the money it would take to put something like this on and then, you know, a lockdown or who, whatever happens, it's it really is a very big roll of the dice. Right. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I remember uh, WrestleCon. I was going to Tampa for WrestleMania last year, and I got mm-hmm. the email from WrestleCon. They canceled, and it took him like, and it was okay. I totally understand. It took him like six months to give me my money back, but I mean, it's just I, I get it. So I totally hear what you're saying. Yeah. So, speaking of, uh, uh, you know, the different wrestlers that you know you've had on the radio show or you had at the convention, was there a I, I know you said you were uh, part of or the uh, you, you said you ran the the or the uh, president of the Freddie Freddie Blassie fan club years ago. Mm-hmm. Was he your all time favorite? Uh, I would have to say he was. Uh, you know, Freddie is uh, was at the top of the list. It was one of the the best heels ever in professional wrestling, and heel on the East Coast, babyface on the West Coast. And then uh, became a manager and just had a storied career. So when I go into my top uh, wrestlers of all time, you know, Freddie's right up there. And then there's Bruno San Martino and uh, guys like John Tolis and Don Leo Jonathan and um, just just guys that were just so amazing back uh, back then. And, and Mick Foley. Current day, if you, you know, not current day because he's not performing anymore, but uh, later on he became uh, probably my favorite in, in his era. 
Was there a favorite interview that you had with any uh, anybody in the wrestling business? Uh, I'd always have to put Mick Foley uh, uh, near the top of the list and Paul uh, Paulie Dangerously or Paul Heyman, as he's known uh, today. Uh, but uh, those two individuals were uh, probably the most frequent guests of Pro Wrestling Spotlight. Uh, they both appeared on the show on a regular basis and listening to the tapes uh, today and analyzing those and laughing along with what happened back then. Uh, those were the two guys that I would say were the always fun and always great interviews to to bring on Pro Wrestling Spotlight. Yeah, I could imagine that. Was was there any uh, any that may have went off the rails or that you thought ah, it's going to be great and turned out I was like, eh, it's just okay. Well, I mean, there's a lot of that because the show really evolved into a place where guys would come on and shoot on other people and. Uh, the shows that we're actually broadcasting or taping over the last week or so were covering Christmas, uh, the Christmas episode in 1991, and I had Missy Hyatt on as a guest. Mick Foley was in the studio, uh, Cactus Jack, and uh, Missy was going out with a guy named Jason Hervey, who was a star of the Wonder Years and then became Eric Bischoff's partner. Uh, and, and that was a little bit of cringeworthy for me because they were just, you know, she had been married to Eddie Gilbert. And she started saying things about them. I mean, so th- there are things like that that you you got to try to reel them in. Uh, and sometimes it was difficult to do that. But there was a lot of uh, interviews which I wish went better. Uh, but uh, there were hundreds of them. So, I mean, it's hard to really choose that there's one that really stands out. And And the ironic thing is that I haven't really heard any of these shows in 30 years so every time I upload one uh, for review on the podcast, it really opens up this uh, – it's a flashback of the past for me that I'm reliving. It's almost like reliving your life each week when you hear something that you did 30 years ago and hadn't heard heard it for 30 years. Right. But you break back in that in that time period, I bet, kind of that state of mind. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, you know, 1991 was just the year of the steroid uh, scandals in the WWF. And and then in the beginning of 92, you had the sex scandals that took place. Uh, you know, I had brought Vince Russo in as a partner in 1991. And then we had a very public breakup in 1992. So it's really an episodic look back at the history of what happened 30 years ago, covering uh, the biggest stories that were going on at that time in pro wrestling. Well, that kind of brings me into uh, one of my questions. I was uh, listening to a re- – uh, I, I don't know how recent the interview was, but I was listening to an interview that you did on uh, Jim Cornette's podcast where he jokingly called you patient zero for, for Vince yes. Russo. So you brought him in, didn't you? Uh, yeah, I did. Uh, Vince was a guy who ran a couple of video stores on Long Island, and I was introduced to him by one of the listeners of the show. and. Uh, he started advertising his video stores with me in the middle of 91, and then he wanted to get deeper involved in wrestling. He had a journalism degree, and he, his video stores were beginning to uh, go under because Blockbuster Video was taking over uh, the market. So, uh, you know, he convinced me that we should be partners and do a newsletter and then take the show uh, to uh, a much bigger radio station in New York City. Uh, but, uh, Vince and I just had a really cool, um, chat on pro wrestling spotlight. I brought him back to analyze what we did 30 years ago and how we got into the business. And back then we really didn't quite understand each other. I mean, 
He wanted to cover the wrestling business for the entertainment value. Uh, he had no idea about all the inside stuff I was covering. So it was kind of a partnership that really shouldn't have never happened. And ironically, we never even talked about all of this 30 years ago. We talked about it now. So in episode seven of, uh, of the Pro Wrestling Spotlight podcast, Vince Russo was on and we kind of go over how uh, the origin of us uh, working together. And uh, then in 92, that's when the split up happened. So uh, Vince is somebody that I didn't talk to for many, many years. We had a really bad public, not a good breakup uh, partner wise. And um, but we kind of made amends at the end of 2018. And and uh, and now, you know, uh, I, I am in a good place with the relationship. That's always good to hear because there's so many people that hold so many grudges in the wrestling business and especially with Vince Russo. <laughs> yeah, he's polarizing. You know, Cornette is polarizing to a lot of people, but Jimmy is one of the the best uh, at what he does. He's an entertainer. He's uh, incredible, uh, you know, just a genius, a historian, um, and just one of the true legends of the business. And I love listening to his podcast. I th- it's two podcasts, actually. I, I just enjoy them very, very much. And Jim was a friend of mine years and years ago. And the only thing bad he could really say about me is that I brought his nemesis into the into the business. Oh, yeah. And it's it's always entertaining, you know, hearing hearing the bickering back and forth between the two shows, even though it's like it's almost like um, almost like in the territory days when, you know, uh, you knew two guys in completely different territories were never going to meet. And they would keep taking jabs at each other on TV. And it's like, ah, you know, it's just talk because they're never actually going to get face to face, you know. Yeah. Uh, so uh, you had mentioned the steroid trial uh, and the sex scandal and everything. I mean, was the steroid trial the, uh, the, the biggest story you covered in wrestling or can you think of a bigger one? Uh, steroids were, uh, one of the biggest stories I ever covered, uh, because it was such a long period of time that I was knee deep in the middle of all of it. And that, that's from breaking the story about, uh, Dr. George Saharian going on trial and covering that trial in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, uh, following up week after week on the radio show. Uh, and then it explodes again after Hulk Hogan, lies on Arsenio Hall and uh, and then Billy Graham and Dr. D. David Schultz come out with allegations about them personally shooting him up with steroids for many years. And so it was it was um, it was an all encompassing uh, time period uh, when the and then, you know, it segued right into the sex scandals in the beginning of um, 92. And that was a that was a horrific time period as well. Did you. Because during that time, it was, you know, they had brought in um, uh, Jerry Jarrett into WWE. Did, do you oh, fall on either side of that of, oh, Vince went off to jail. They were going to make put him in charge or anything. Did you have an opinion on that? Well, I think um, it was just a um, safety measure to bring Jarrett in in case Vince was convicted by the federal government who, you know, botched the case in so many different ways. So he uh, – he had to prepare just in case he was going to be found guilty and, and serve some jail time. But he was looking out for the, um, uh, you know, for the safety of his company to try to keep it going. And at that time, it was a very perilous situation 
uh, attendance was down. He was on trial. Uh, the storylines, the characters. I mean, it was just a, it was a mess. Uh, but, uh, lo and behold, I mean, he came through it with flying colors and then, you know, started changing the way he pushed, uh, wrestlers, not really focusing on the big, uh, steroid monsters and really kind of concentrate more on the work rate of guys like Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels. And then, of course, uh, Russo comes in and then the attitude ever begins. Now, I saw you on the, the what actually made me think, uh, you know, because I had heard, I, I knew who you were, but, you know, when I watched the season finale of Dark Side of the Ring, it kind of brought you more to the forefront of my memory again. It was like, you know, that is somebody who had, I'd, it's, you, you were on my bucket list of, like, people I wanted to get on the show. And uh, so uh, I, I saw, we, you know, you were on the season finale, Dark Side of the Ring, we've made yes. it known as one of our favorite shows uh me and greg we never miss an episode and you were obviously on the season finale talking about the steroid trial uh what was that whole experience like of being just being on the show and kind of getting getting in contact with them well they reached out to me and i had a existing relationship with dark side because i participated in the herb abrams episode that's um, right yeah, yeah so <laughs> that's, one my, that's one of my and, favorites by the way <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, you know, Herb was an interesting guy, uh, and I helped him set up his New York run and helped him, uh, with his, uh, uh first, uh, few shows up in the New York area, but he was a nut, and, uh, uh, <laughs> but Darkseid, you know, covered him, and that's how I got to meet Jason and Evan. And then I, when I knew they were doing a steroid episode, they knew about my archives and, you know, all the stuff I've documented and kept and how, um, and how heavily involved I was in the coverage of that story. So it was a, it was a no brainer for me to do that show with them. And, uh, we taped my interview down in Florida in the beginning of this year, uh, because of the pandemic, there was a lot of different travel restrictions. So I had to drive down to Florida and do the interview there. Uh, but you know, I'm, I'm happy with the way it turned out. I'm happy with the way they covered it. And uh, aside from what Jerry McDevitt said about me, um, you know, he'll have his opinion, and I'll have my my opinion on what was going down at that time. Uh, but uh, at the end of the day, when I look at the show, I, I I feel I feel good about it. I will say I was shocked when I found out that they got Jerry McDevitt for that show. I was like, whoa, he's doing. He's doing an interview on a wrestling show. They were shocked as well. You know, when they when they reached out and he said he'd do it, that was uh, that was a great get for them to get Jerry on there. I can assume that was one of their white whales. It's like, whoa, okay. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, he really hasn't done very many public interviews, and and he was so uh, good at that trial, and he's one of the best attorneys. There is. I mean, he's just he's a he's a smart, intelligent guy, and he's and he's uh, been with Vince for many, many years, and and um, he proved his worth alone during that trial. Yeah, we joke that uh, you know he. I'm sure Vince McMahon probably bought him at least three houses along the way. <laughs> Very large. Well, I'm houses. sure. I'm sure that he's made quite a bit of money working with the uh, Vince. Yeah, that's just for the steroid trial. Yeah, all right. He may owe that man his life. Yeah, yeah right. I mean that uh, they have a you know a, a very uh, deep friendship, 
and uh, not just a professional race relationship, but uh, uh, Vince cares about him. He took care of him, and, you know, you don't have a lawyer by your side for as many years as they've been together uh, unless the relationship is uh, beneficial for both of them. Yeah, I can imagine. Uh, and since you brought up the – you were on the Herb Abrams episode and talked about that, I mean, we had covered um, – oh, what was the – the one they did out in Vegas, their the, the the blackjack brawl. Blackjack brawl, yes. Yeah, uh, that uh, I was kind of shocked about just the quality of the show and, and the lack of people in the audience. I went, wow, uh, it, it was an interesting watch. But I, we mainly watched it back and talked about it for just to be able to talk about Herb Abrams. I mean, what what was it like interacting with him in the past? Well, he had his demons there. there you know, he was a um, he was a guy who thought he was going to take over the wrestling world. And he had a lot of personal demons that uh, that really um, were one of the reasons why he didn't succeed. The blackjack brawl. I mean, he was who knows what he was on that show. But he was high as a kite. Um, and he was a guy who lied a lot, who said he had this guy under contract or that guy under contract. And. He had a lot of checks that bounced all the time. Uh, he he ran his business in a very, uh, you know, even for wrestling standards, uh, outrageous the way he ran his business. And he really had um, the potential to do some really good stuff because he had a great roster. Uh, but, um, you know, the lying, the uh, drug abuse, the drug problems, uh, the financial uh, uh, situations, uh, the bouncing the checks. It, it, he was uh, he was kind of this little guy that just called himself Mister Electricity, <laughs> and he was just a very unique individual, one of the most unique individuals I ever met in the entire history that I've been associated with wrestling. The one thing I found. Uh, unique about the the situation there with him was uh i no matter what anybody said about you know like all the you know the demons that you're talking about he struggled with and everything nobody had a a bad word personally to say about him no he was uh you know he was endearing he was a funny guy uh he was generous i mean he'd take uh, the boys out for dinner and you know spend a lot of money uh you know and he was he was an affable guy. He was a he was an interesting cat, this guy. And um, so you can't hate the guy. Not, not a lot of people hated him. A lot of people were amused by him. A lot of people were entertained by him. Uh, but uh, most of the guys, you know, knew that the uh, gravy train was going to run out. There was no way that he was going to really succeed. So, you know, ride the train until it crashes stops and that's what a lot of people did i think he would have been a great wrestling manager like in the show going off of what i saw on dark side i think he would have been perfect yeah yeah he would have been a great a great mouthpiece for somebody now i know you said uh i mean obviously being from the new york area and a lot of the the your favorite wrestlers and everything you named off obviously you know you you seem like more of a kind of a New York wrestling area kind of kind of guy. 
Um, but and but you did say you got like you know Ric Flair and Sting and all that for your conventions. Did you have mm-hmm. any dealings with um, uh, Jimmy Crockett back in the day? I know Jimmy, and uh, you know I did cover uh, some of the shows that he promoted uh, in Charlotte, North Carolina, when I lived down there for George Napolitano. So I'd met Jim Crockett, and uh, I covered the, uh, you know, the NWA pretty extensively on the radio show, and then turned it to WCW. And uh, uh, but yeah, I knew I knew Jimmy. If that's what the question is. Yeah, it, it, I was shocked that it seemed like. You know, because he doesn't do a lot of, or he didn't do a lot of interviews, if any, back in the day. And mm-hmm. uh, Conrad Thompson scored one with him, seemed yes. like uh, a, a couple of weeks before he died, I believe. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was uh, it was a major coup to get Jim Crockett to talk, and unfortunately, he's not with us any longer. Yeah, he seemed. Uh, I haven't heard the interview. Unfortunately, I, I, I'm gonna get to it well, one of these days here, but he just. It seemed like a story of one of those where it's like almost there. If you change this or you change that, things could have been drastically different for him in Jim Crockett promotions. Yeah, I mean, he had um, he had a great promotion. And uh, when McMahon decided to take over the world, uh, that's what was kind of the beginning of the end. I mean, you can't compete. Uh, no one could compete with how Vince uh, grew the company and how it exploded uh, in 1984, 85. And, and Vince was a very savvy businessman who did everything in his power to um, uh, put other people out of business or try to put other people out of business. I mean, that's the way he operated. Um, so, uh, yeah, Crockett, uh, you know, if he had Turner's money a few years earlier, if he had Turner's money in 84, 85, um, it might have been a different story. Yeah, it just uh, – it always seemed like – at least, you know, in a retrospect kind of way, it almost seemed like almost there, not quite. Mm-hmm. Uh, great great talent and great matches, and, you know, certainly Jim Crockett Promotions was uh, uh, to this day revered by so many wrestling fans. Oh, yeah. It was, a, it was Isn't a, AEW bringing a cup back for them or – What is that? Isn't AEW doing a tribute to, the, to him? Uh, they might be. I think I heard something about that. I know they, they might, did. They might be. Uh, I think NWA did brought back the Crockett Cup uh, a couple years ago, if I remember mm-hmm. correctly. So. Well, that, you're talking that, about Billy, Billy Corrigan's NWA. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that one. Uh, I haven't seen much of it, but uh, seemed like they're trying to honor, you know, the old school and NWA, which. I like you should. Yeah. You should. I mean, it's the oldest uh, organization in pro wrestling history. Uh, the NWA's lineage goes back to 1905. Uh, so it was the pla- it was it was the place where everybody was kind of affiliated with until uh, McMahon decided to leave and then start the WWF in 1962. And uh, but uh, the NWA has a legacy which should be. Uh, remembered and what Billy is trying to do today with it is bring back some of that history, bring back some of that legacy. I mean, he had Ric Flair appear, you know, uh, several months ago and, um, it may not ever be as big as, uh, AEW or obviously WWE, but I think the NWA is going to have a niche that's going to be around for a while. 
Right, especially with, I, I mean, now it looks like ROH may be done forever, you know, at the end of the year, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'd i like to hope they'll come back someday, but, you know, it's looking dim. But, you know, it's always nice to have more places for people to work. I mean, you never want places to go out of business, you know. No, no. I mean, you look at what was great years ago, and that was a 100 different territories. Uh, right. There was always a place for guys to work, and now you really have uh, you have the WWE or you have AEW and on a smaller scale. You have Impact and you have the NWA, and uh, so I mean, it, there's not uh, a lot of different places uh, uh, for um, for guys to work unless you're with one of those bigger companies. Obviously, the power balance is a lot different now than it was you know decades ago with mm-hmm. with territories and whatnot, but. I mean, from what you've seen from just as a fan to getting into the business to, you know, now, I mean, does it seem like this is the closest you've seen to uh, almost like a modern day territory system, like you were saying, well, with these different places to work? Well, they're all national in scope. Uh, that's what, you know, with the way streaming is and the Internet. I mean, everything's national today. Uh, but I think um I really think that wrestling is in a good place. I mean, ratings wise, you're never going to do the, uh, you know, the six to eight million viewers on an, on an episode, which was happening every week years ago. Um, but today, I mean, it is um, there's a, there's fans that love to go. There's fans that watch the product, that stream it, that watch it. Uh, the audiences are splintered, um, but. I think wrestling is in a good place right now, and I I think 2022 is going to be a really big year for the business. Yeah, especially with more places opening up, and uh, it, this year a lot of places opened up, but not quite as many, and it was slower. Yeah, uh, so. yeah, but well, look look what Tony's doing, Tony Khan. I mean, uh, you know, uh, last night I took my nephew to uh, AEW uh, here on Long Island at the UBS Arena, brand new arena. And it wasn't sold out by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, it was probably three quarters filled. And uh, it was uh, it was the first time that I'd seen a promotion outside of WWE in a big arena like that in decades. Yeah, that's the one thing, because I'm uh, I'm only 31. So when WCW died, I was uh, I was 10. So I had never I had never got to see WCW live. Uh, so the closest thing I've had to a non WWE live event, I saw a TNA house show in a tiny arena, and I saw Ring of Honor at a couple um, uh, armories. So when I got to see Dynamite in, it wasn't quite as big of an arena as like WWE would run, but it was the next biggest one in town in Cincinnati, and that was. That was an experience. It was, uh, I mean, seeing WWE live is, is definitely a, a great experience, you know, just for the atmosphere and everything. But uh, there's something to be said for, you know, variety, you know. Competition is good. For sure, yeah. And, and I and I imagine competition for, uh, you know, um, the, the wrestlers and, and personalities, too. It's like there's not just one game in town that can pay them a living wage, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it's it's you know it's hard to get that first break, um, but um, the opportunities that Tony Khan is giving uh, so many guys today, 
the WWE seems to be cutting back and, you know, letting people go left and right, you know, because the rumor is, and, you know, you talk about the rumor mill, but this one really seems like it's going to happen eventually is that uh, that company is going to be sold to a much larger uh, uh, entity. Yeah. I, my obviously first guess is always um, NBC universal because they own, you know, they have such a stock in the company now. Yeah. They got but, the, the, you know, the license agreement that was for a billion dollars, 200 million a year for five years, uh, you know, for Peacock to take over the network. That is a major, that's a major investment. And then the shows that run on USA, uh, so they would be the most logical choice uh, for a uh, for sale, uh, but there are other players out there. You know, you have your Disney's of the world that you know ABC and ESPN, and uh, you have Fox is another big player, or it could be a, a Netflix. It could be it could be a number of different companies that are media companies today that might look at the WWE as an attractive acquisition. I think yeah. I'm talking about Amazon Prime too, perhaps. That would be another player. Yeah, Jeff Bezos has enough money to buy and sell Vince McMahon twenty times over. <laughs> yeah, I, and WWE. Well, I'm a lot built Apple, up. by the way, too. That's a that's a crazy. <laughs> yeah, one, well, that's another one. I mean, there are so many. I mean, yeah. that that's that's the interesting part of all of this is you know how 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 valuable that they look at a wrestling entity. I always look at NBC Universal and Disney as primary candidates for an acquisition because of the ability to monetize uh, the intellectual properties, uh, perhaps at a theme park that would be uh, a WWE-based theme park, uh, a real museum Hall of Fame type of situation. Uh, so I think, to me, as somebody who's been looking at this business for as many years as I have, I think that would be a, uh, that would be, if I was a buyer, uh, that would be the way I'd want to monetize it because the history of, um, what the WWE has, uh, their archives and the characters and their intellectual properties, it lends itself to a theme park. Oh, for yeah, sure. Yeah. Like, Disney feels like owns half of Orlando as it is. So, why not? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's going to be an interesting question to see. How, it's really going to be interesting how to see it uh, develops. And I think if they're going to be sold, it, it will probably be uh, within the next 12, 24, 36 months. But I think it's coming. And I think it's going to be coming in this uh, in this decade. You think yeah. it would be like a UFC type thing where someone new owns it, but the old people run it like Dana White currently does? Uh, or- I, I don't think that that would be the case. Uh, I think that whoever's going to buy it is going to put their own people in place. Vince is no spring chicken. You know, he's in his mid-70s to late 70s. He's, you know, not in the best of health uh, in in regard to the energy level. And and the creativity is pretty stagnant. Um, You know, you have uh, Stephanie, uh, who is uh, just a brilliant uh, businesswoman who, you know, maybe there's a place for her. Uh, maybe there's a place for her husband, uh, Paul Lebeck, uh, you know, whether Shane gets involved or not, who knows? You know, I think it's all up to speculation and anyone can guess what would happen in a sale like that. But uh, I, I do think that whoever buys it is going to want control. And uh, I don't think it'll be a family run business by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, it seems like um, 
Seems like they're setting up for something because it just when you see it's not just one release here or two releases there. It's like large loads of I I don't want to call anybody dead weight by any stretch of the imagination, but it's people that they're not featuring on TV or they haven't really if they have been on TV, it hasn't been a featured spot or mm-hmm. backstage people or something, you know, so. I mean, it's, and it's then, the, then there's office, there's office personnel and there's production staff and there's a lot of cuts that are taking place. There's a lot of um, what you call scrubbing it up and making it look good uh, for a potential buyer. There's a lot going on behind the scenes there right now. I can imagine. Yeah. Uh, real quick, I did want to talk to you about uh, off the just wrestling in general. Uh, I know your book was called Matt Memories, My Wild Life in Pro Wrestling, Country Music, and with the Mets. Obviously, most people know you from your work in wrestling and everything, but uh, could you talk a little bit about uh, starting off, you know, what what you did in the country music scene? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, a lot of people know what I did in wrestling. Those are the people in the wrestling business. Um <laughs> In the country music business, a lot of people don't know what I did in the wrestling business because I had a different name in country music. Um, John Alexander was the name I used after I got out of wrestling in 96. I changed my name, not legally, but professionally. Uh, but for me, I mean, growing up as a wrestling fan, getting involved in that business, it, it was really not a, a business that I, that I wanted to have a career in long term. I really wanted to work in baseball. I wanted to work for the New York Mets, which is a, passion of mine since I was a kid. And uh, when I got out of college and graduated in 1979, I went to the baseball winter meetings in 1980 and I got hired by the New York Mets to uh, uh, work in their minor league system in a little town called Shelby, North Carolina. And uh, it was a class A affiliate of the Mets. And uh, so, I mean, that was um, kind of a dream come true for me. Uh, But um, you know, you never know what what day and what road you're going to travel. I mean, just uh, what happened in 81 is that I went into a nightclub one night, a little shit-ass bar, a little, uh, you know, a little tiny dive bar. And uh, there was a rock and roll band playing, cover band, uh, with a female singer that absolutely just blew me away. And um, her name was Patty Loveless. Uh Patty was a rock singer and I just kind of, I couldn't believe that she was in this little club and I got to know her and the band and her husband. And, and, uh, before you know it, I, I, I leave my job with the Mets to start managing her. Uh, and, um, that's what kind of got me involved in the music industry. And although Patty at the time was in rock and roll and I was managing her, uh, she really became, uh, a tremendous, uh, iconic star in country music and i had nothing to do with getting her her record deal i mean i my relationship with patty was uh uh really from 1981 through uh 84 and um and her brother had taken her to nashville and got her a record deal and she became who she is today uh and that gave me a love for country music because as much as uh, i didn't get her the record deal i started listening to country music and really kind of fell in love with it uh, so, um, you know, in the decade of the 80s, I really was in the music business, went back into wrestling. And it wasn't until 96 when I decided that I wanted to put wrestling in the rear view that I uh, then uh, took a position on Long Island at a country radio station in sales and uh, 
um you would call uh, uh uh music um uh music marketing and uh, excelled at a little station and got to know some country artists and some of the managers and record company people then I got hired by hired by a New York City country radio station to do their uh, music marketing for them and started going to Nashville on a regular basis to uh generate revenue on uh advertising and promotions and then in 2000 I got uh, an offer to move to Nashville to open up the offices for a television network called Great American Country and I moved to Nashville in July 2000 and that really integrated me in country music so I got to work with everybody from Taylor Swift to Garth Brooks to Toby Keith uh and it was a great great ride in 2010 uh I had met a singer named Sarah Darling and uh she was with a upstart record company called Black River and they were owned by the Pagula family who also owned the Buffalo Bills and the Buffalo Sabres billionaires and so I went over there to be their vice president of artist management and uh strategic marketing and so my ride in Nashville was pretty long i mean it was uh and i managed sarah for a few years and then i discovered a kid named kelsey ballerini who uh i brought into the label and she's become one of the top country stars in the entire industry today um so uh yeah my 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 um my ride my wild ride uh you know did uh take place with country music with wrestling a cup of coffee and baseball which uh which was kind of the uh, the best tasting cup. Uh, I, I love baseball, and I'm I'm still uh, most recently involved in baseball. Uh, and uh, when I was with the Mets in the early '80s, uh, uh, I shared a house with some uh, ball players that were on the team. One guy uh, was named John Gibbons, who uh, uh, was on the '86 Mets, uh, and then he became uh, somebody that was a coach, a manager, and managed the Toronto Blue Jays uh, for two runs. Uh, most recently, uh, up until 2019, he was managing the Toronto Blue Jays. So John and I have known each other for 40 years, and now I am representing him. Uh, I just got him a book deal on his life. I just got him a documentary project, so I'm working uh, on the peripheral of baseball, uh, representing one of my one of my dearest friends, John Gibbons, right now. So I'm I still got that uh, I still got that baseball fever inside me. Yeah, I know that hits uh, that hits close to home with Greg because he's uh, he's obsessed with baseball. I think more than anything else in life. <laughs> yeah, I'm a huge Oakland A's fan, so. You're welcome. Ah, oh, no kidding. Yeah, well, Sandy, well, San, Sandy Alderson, Moneyball. I mean, that's where the Moneyball stuff started. I mean, uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I could, I could, you know, I could respect that because that's the way I am with the New York Mets. I was been a Met fan since July third, nineteen sixty six, when I went to my first game, and I've been a season ticket holder for decades. And I go to spring training every year. I uh, have friends. Um, in baseball, uh, and it's just something that more than anything else in my life, I enjoy baseball more than anything else in my life. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. I can go to like 100 games a year. Um, Me too. And now I have to watch the Mets because we keep losing our players to you guys. So that's how it works. So <laughs> used to it. Yeah, well, we got a new owner now, <laughs> spending a little bit of money. So we'll see where it goes. Um, you know, I've been keeping my yep. fingers crossed. They're looking for a new manager right now, and. Uh, that manager will be selected probably next week, and I think they're leaning towards uh, Buck Shaw Walter. But um, 
Uh, I have a friend I of really mine. I thought you uh, guys would try to get Bruce Bochy. That was my thought. I, I mean, you know, that's still probably on the table, I think. I mean, they, they have some mystery candidates they're interviewing today and tomorrow, and I'm hoping that my friend uh, John is one of them. I, uh, but, you know, Bochi would be uh, somebody that certainly is qualified. Uh, Showalter is certainly qualified, and he's managed in New York before with the Yankees. So uh, I just think that the Mets need to bring in somebody with a lot of experience, not a new manager that's not managed before, somebody that knows how to run a dugout, somebody who is uh, no nonsense and somebody who has a lot of experience and with all the resources that they have now, uh, the right managerial choice uh, could really turn the, the franchise around uh, with the resources that Steve Cohen has given them. Yeah. yeah I, it's a I, tough I, division too. So it's going to be interesting this year. Yes. I, I thought uh, I thought this would be a little bit more dangerous when we did it, but we ended up uh, when we were in New York City for in 2015. We went to my I'm from the Northern Ohio area originally, so I'm a I guess they're now the Guardians fan, and uh, the, they were the, the Guardians, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that. <laughs> but uh, but the at the time the Indians were in town and uh, we're like, well, we we hate the the uh, Yankees, but it's, you know, baseball hallowed grounds, so, you know, got to go check it out because the Indians were in town. And to be a troll, Greg wore a Mets jersey that one of his friends gave him. And uh, now, hold on. Now, to be clear, though, and you'll probably get this, John, <laughs> it was a Yoannis Cespedes one. So I had reason to wear it. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, we had just yeah. lost him to you guys. So I was like, well, okay, yeah. whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And the, the the worst thing that happened was uh, when we were in the their little Hall of Fame area, and there's this guy just going nuts about, oh, look at this, look at this, look at this guy. And then he looks over at Greg and goes, hey, how many titles you got over in Queens? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've always been the uh, we've always been the the uh, the stepchild in New York baseball. The Mets have, and uh, I think they've, uh, you know, certainly a jinx franchise in a lot of ways. Uh, but the Yankees have always been the big boys, the big brother, and uh, their legacy and their history and their winning is just there. So the Yankee fans get a little full of themselves. And I'm hoping that um, things kind of turn around with the new ownership and that we can begin to really show the fans in New York that are diehards. Most Met fans are diehards. They live and die with the team. And no matter what they say, I'm not going back. I'm not doing this. They always come back. They just want to see a winning team on the field. And I think the Yankee fans <laughs> uh, hopefully will be able to um, uh, accept when the Mets begin to dominate uh, in New York over the next few years. Your stadium's amazing, by the way, I got to say. I've been there. It's City, amazing. City Field. City Field's yeah. a great place. Yes, a great place to watch a game. Uh, well, real quick, Greg, did you have anything else that you you wanted to throw in here? No, just thanks for being on. It was great. No, I appreciate uh, it. Uh, I, I really, uh, like I said, I mean, when I got the and I got reached out to, I'm I, I love doing things like this. So it's really a pleasure to talk to you guys and. Um, uh, you know, I certainly would love to um, be able to mention where people can hear the podcast. And I actually have two podcasts now. Uh, so anywhere you listen to your podcast, just look for John Arezzi's Pro Wrestling Spotlight. 
Uh, and the other, the new podcast that I started uh, a few months ago is called Matt Memories from Madison Square Garden, which is really a unique concept because I went to every house show at Madison Square Garden from August of 1971 right through 1977. So a lot of, a lot of years not missing a show at the garden. Wow. And each, each month, uh, for example, December 6, 1971, there was a house show at Madison Square Garden. So on December 6, 2021, I released Matt Memories from Madison Square Garden covering December 6, 1971, when Fred Blassie fought Pedro Morales. That's the night I got the permission slip to start Blassie's fan club. So, uh, so each month in, on the anniversary of that Madison Square Garden show 50 years ago, I do a podcast talking about it with a couple of guys and, and, uh, it's really a really, cool look back at history and i dropped the podcast at bell time 50 years to the day <laughs> so wow 8 30 p.m uh you know each episode is released at 8 30 p.m on the 50th anniversary of that house show i love stuff like that yeah that's uh that's why that's why we started this it's you know a nice look back at stuff instead of you know mm-hmm. always covering what's going on right now yeah, the history is great, and uh, the fact that I'm one of the few that are still there able to talk about it, um, which is really amazing to me because most of the performers are gone. Uh, there's not a lot of people who are around to talk about what happened at Madison Square Garden 50 years ago. Uh, so um, I think I'm in a unique place, and as long as I get enjoyment out of doing this, I'll be doing it. And the Pro Wrestling Spotlight podcast, I mean, we ended uh, the show in 1995. So we still have uh, three years to go. Wow. That's that's uh, nice to have so much material to, to kind of fall back on and look back on. Got a lot of archives. Yeah, I can imagine. Uh, and obviously, you, uh, you know, as we mentioned, you're an author. Uh, where can everybody find your uh, your book? Matt Memories is available no matter, you know, anywhere you get your books, Amazon. If you like the audio version, it's on Audible, it's uh, Barnes & Noble. You just search Matt Memories. But if you'd like a autographed copy of it, a signed and numbered autographed copy by me, all you got to do is send me an email, john at mattmemories.com, and I'll get you that information on how to get a signed and numbered book. Awesome. And oh, will do. You, yeah. And uh, you can find uh, John on uh, Twitter. It's at John Arezzi. Uh, any other uh, social platforms? Yeah, Instagram is at John Arezzi. I have a really cool Instagram account now sharing the history and photographs I took from 50 years ago. And uh, and when you go into Facebook, I have three groups there. One is uh, for the Pro Wrestling Spotlight, so that's Facebook.com, uh, Pro Wrestling Spotlight. And I also have a public group called John Arezzi's Map Memories. And there's a private group under that same name, John Arezzi's Map Memories. And I also have an auction site where, uh, not during the holidays, but back in January, every uh, weekend, I auction off uh, vintage wrestling magazines, autographed pictures, uh, artifacts from my archives, and that's facebook.com uh, slash uh, John Arezzi's Vintage Wrestling Auctions. Fantastic. Awesome. Well, uh, I'll ask one quick question. You said you live in Nashville? I live uh Directly south of Nashville, 15 miles south of Nashville, in a town called Franklin, Tennessee. Oh, will you be at SummerSlam next year? I will be, yes. Oh, nice. Maybe we can meet you there. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You have my information. Look me up, and yeah, I'll be totally. happy to get together with you. 
Absolutely. Yeah, we're uh, looking to make the trek because uh, uh, I I think from where I live is five, maybe six hours down there. So not bad. Oh, yeah, it's a, it's a great centrally located city. I mean, you could literally drive there from, you know, Ohio, St. Louis, Cincinnati, Atlanta. It's really centrally located. And I'm really happy that they're bringing a big event like SummerSlam to Nashville, finally getting a, getting that platform. Yeah, that yeah, city's been on my bucket list for a long time. <laughs> yeah, I've Great only town. ever been to uh, Pigeon Forge and Gatlinburg, but I just I Great love area. Tennessee. Yeah, yes. Smoky Mountains and uh, just really hokey touristy stuff. But I mean, I love. I've spent a lot of time in Pigeon Forge, Gatlinburg, uh, Sevierville. Um, I've done a lot of business with them uh, at Dollywood over the years. It's like a completely different world driving from even just Ohio down to Tennessee. So I can imagine oh, yeah. going from New York down to Tennessee. Yeah, I mean, 20 years there now, 21 years uh, I've been in Nashville. And, you know, I come back to New York pretty often to see my family. But Nashville is uh, a place that I don't see myself moving away from. It's just a beautiful part of the country. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to scratching that off my bucket list. And I know, you know, Greg said he is as well. So, uh, but yeah, uh, again, thanks for being on the show. I, you know, my, I, like my I said, pleasure. you're a busy man. Yeah. My pleasure. And, well, thank you. And, uh, we'll, uh, talk to you again sometime, hopefully. All righty. All right, guys. Thank you so much. Uh, yep. we'll talk thank to you, you soon. But while we're winding down, we're going to go into our next break. When we come back, we're going to tell you what's to come next Wednesday on the podcast to close out the year 2021 and what you can expect going into 2022 here on the Main Event Marks podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Main Event underscore Marks, Instagram at Main Event underscore Marks, and at Main Event Collector, and Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash Main Event Marks pod. This message is brought to you by Belly Up Sports. No, just kidding. This is not an NWO promo. This is just me, Kyle Sullivan, a.k.a. Shaggy Von Doom, the host of Here in Puckburg on the Belly Up Sports Podcast Network. I have a hockey podcast where we talk about hockey fandom and the love of the game and where that leads you in this, this game we call life. Why am I on Main Event Marks telling you about this? Well, what if I told you I had one half of the world's greatest tag team, otherwise known as the Main Event Marks, the one and only Greg, Superfly Greg. He was on and he was talking about his love of the game. So you might want to come over and check that episode out. If you like what you hear, you can check out the rest of our incredible episodes with our incredible hockey community from PHF athletes, ESPN personalities, fathers of NHL players, and a whole lot more. Come by, follow the show, give a like, give a subscribe, and it'd be great to have you here in Puckburg. But enough about me. Let's get back to what you're really here for, the main event marks, because they are the cream of the crop. Oh, yeah. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Shopify presents cool sheets from aha to lying awake while you bake isn't cool. 
I suffered from the wrong kind of hot in bed, heat-induced insomnia. That was my aha moment, bed sheets that keep you cool. Then I thought, how do I even sell bed sheets? That's when I had the idea that made it all possible, signing up on Shopify. With the help of Shopify's intuitive online store creator, I started selling sustainable bamboo sheets that keep cool year-round. And my cool idea became a reality. Hot sleepers around the world rejoice. Shopify makes it simple to keep your cool while starting and growing your business. Start selling with Shopify today and join the commerce platform powering millions of businesses worldwide. From aha to anything is possible. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples. There are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays, and Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Choose from a great selection of digital coupons and use them up to five times in one transaction. Check our app for details. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. My name is Thomas, and what's your name? Uh, I'm Alan. Alan. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. We're brothers. That's right. Yeah. yeah got the mother, same mother and father. Your room was... Oh, we shared a room. Shared a room. We right. shared a room. I thought I knew your face. Yeah, we so go maybe. way back, mate. Yeah. yeah. We should do a podcast then. Uh, we have. We do, we do a podcast. We do a podcast. What's it called? The... Broadcast. Yeah, that was planned. Yeah, yeah, well... What do we do? Well, we cover all different things in the world of pop culture. We're talking about comic books, we're talking about professional wrestling, and we're talking about movies. Go back and watch classic retro wrestling events, the likes of WWE, WCW, and if you do like that, you can check us out on Apple iTunes, also on Podbean, Anchor, and on Podknife. Also check us out on Twitter, at The Broadcast. That's B-R-O. K-A-S-T. Hey, the ending. Hey, it's all right. Good on you. Yeah. Instagram also at the Broadcast Podcast. Remember, we don't spell it with a C. We spell it with a K. Sorry, mate. Take it easy. The main event marks are available wherever you get podcasts. Go to our link tree at linktr.ee forward slash main event marks. And we're back. And we're back. I had fun with this one it was it was a it was a very different format from what we're used to and and i'm looking forward to doing stuff like this hopefully we can score some more interviews in the future get our name out there and uh i'm i'm working i'm i'm wheeling and dealing trying to bring some uh some people on to to talk to us about their experiences in the wrestling business but you know it's uh Hashtag stay tuned. That's all I can say. (laughs) But going from this, which was a unique and awesome show to next Wednesday on the 29th. It was, um, well, it was unique. (laughs) We're closing out the year 2021 with a kick in the ass. We're covering WCW Starcade 1998. Well, all I can say is the ending of that show was shocking. Well, you know, that'd be, that'd be fall brawl, uh, 93, but, um, yeah, I was shocked. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, the, a certain somebody was shocked. I'll say that. Shocked. And, uh, <laughs> Kevin Nash is here to shock the world. 
But that is next uh, Wednesday, like I said, December 29th, our last show of the year, WCW Starcade 1998. And then it's into 2022, man. This will be fun. I'm looking forward to these shows. And starting off, I want I told you before I wanted to do since it's a uh, 15 year anniversary and just because I love this year, I wanted to do somewhat of a 2007 retrospect on TNA. So it's probably TNA's best year ever, in my opinion. Yeah, it's definitely one of my yeah, it's definitely one of my favorites. I mean, you had Kurt Angle going full time. You had Sting, Christian Cage, uh, AJ Styles, Samoa Joe. I, tons of talent, tons of great stuff at the top of the card. How did that company card. not do better with all what you just said? Bro. It's <laughs> insane, dude. I know. Like, look at that list again. Uh, yep. Yeah, I know. Well, there's that. And then, you know, if you hear anything about the mismanagement of, well, everything by uh, Dixie Carter and company. Seems so. to be a theme with uh, great things going under. Yeah, I know, right? But uh, on January 5th, our first show of the year, it's TNA Final Resolution 2007. Looking forward to watching that one. I don't remember the show off the top of my head, so it'll be fun to go back and watch. January 12th, it will be our first Royal Rumble of the year, and we're going a little bit more current yet again, like what we did with TLC last week. This one is WWE Royal Rumble 2017 remember the rumble i only vaguely remember <laughs> this rumble so it's gonna be uh an, in- an interesting watch going five years back in time to uh to check that one out january 19th we're gonna go a little bit further back as we're going back to the in our way back machine to 1988 for the bunkhouse stampede finals yeah <sighs> uh, gotta get some uh pbr for that one <laughs> this one, uh, I mean, not to spoil anything right away, but if anybody knows anything about the stuff, uh, this was basically made as Dusty Rhodes' wet dream, and he won it. And when you win the Monkhouse Stampede finals, you get a big brass boot. <laughs> so. <Yeah. sighs> oh, man, because every wrestler and their, and their father was clamoring for that boot. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, Road Warrior Animal was in the, the finals, man. Yeah. Can you imagine the Road Warriors holding up that big brass boot in celebration? Why did oh, we not God. mention cowboy boots twice in the past two, three minutes? Well, because, you know, it's, there's a lot of cowboy boots in, back in wrestling's history, I guess. That's double main event week. For the bonus show that week, we are putting it on a poll. Uh, Ironically right enough. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, we're going to be covering one of these four subjects. We're either going to go with the NWO and WWE, their entire run in retrospect. Which isn't that co- long, so it's not like it's a big one. <laughs> yeah, right. And it, uh, well, it didn't go out with a bang. It went out with a wet fart. And then there's WWE CW. We'll talk about that, how it came to be, how it went out, and uh, boy, did it go out. <laughs> we can also cover the historic, the monumental, the groundbreaking Heroes of Wrestling pay-per-view. Yay, I guess. 
I don't know. Wasn't that uh, Jake Felice the Snake Roberts? Oh my God, yeah. Uh, that was... Um, uh, if anybody knows anything about that show, it was very sad from the very first bell to the very last bell. It There was a lot of issues on that show, but it's, it'll be... Um, fun slash sad to look at and laugh at and all that and finally oh, there's the, no change from our current format that's good yeah right uh and the the final option on that poll bro uh, ironically enough is vince russo's run in wcw from april 2000 to july of 2000 so it'd be part dose of what we did already with vince russo runs wcw dot 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 into the ground why do I feel like that's going to win? It most likely will, but I, you know, I like to give options. <laughs> so whatever, any of these shows will be fun, and uh, we'll keep the others in our back pocket. TJ's kind of liberal with the word fun today, I see. <laughs> fun in a torturous way. You know, uh, January 26th, to close out the month, it will be a pick by Greg. It will be WWF's Royal Rumble from 2001. We've covered one off the top of my head. I don't remember much about the show, so I'll have to go back and watch. I know I liked most of the, I at least like match quality and stuff in 2001. So it was a fun year. Obviously we'll be talking a lot about, you know, ECW and WCW tanking around this time. I may have another volume, sir. (laughs) Uh, We've covered Royal Rumble 2000 now in the archives from this past January. So this will be the next year. You can kind of see how things have changed and, you know, kind of compare and contrast and all that. But that is what's yet to come in the first month of 2022. I'm looking forward to it. I had fun today. This is going to be a good year, I think. Yes, I'm I'm uh, I'm putting it out there, man. It's going to be a good one. It's going to be much better than the last two years. Please, for the love of God. Planning on going back to WrestleMania. That'll be fun. And then we're going to try to meet John Rizzi himself in Nashville. Yep, we'll see how that goes. So, uh, yeah, lots of big things, big stuff coming in 2022, man. So looking forward to it. But we're not yet done with the year. we got one more week to go. Uh, Thanks thanks for joining me today, Greg. Mm -hmm. It's been a fun year. And uh, Merry Christmas, one and all. We'll see you next week with Starcade 98. Ho, 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 ho. Merry Christmas. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.